Hi, you're listening to In Between Visits, and my name is Dr. Christy Lewis. I'm a naturopathic doctor who's in practice for well over a decade. After years of clinical practice and working with thousands of people, a basic truth has been revealed. Behavior modification, as simple as it is, is difficult to implement, hence the birth of this podcast. If we all know what to do, then why aren't we doing it? With these short and sweet shares, I'm going to answer your questions about how to stay on track with your goals, support, inspire, and motivate you on your journey, see you in your struggles, affirm you in the challenge, and reassure you that you are not alone. Let's get started. Hey guys, it's Dr. Christy. Thanks so much for tuning in. I am so glad that you are back. And wow, I mean... You're choosing, you're choosing to listen to In Between Visits, and I am so grateful for that. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts these days, Brené Brown, Tara Brock, Glennon Doyle, and if you haven't heard of these women, please check them out. They are so real and inspiring, full of wisdom through their storytelling and humor. Oh my goodness, lots of laugh out loud moments when I'm listening to these people. And that really inspired me to think about the next series and really how I want to push the needle forward with these podcasts. So Dr. Michelle and I have been doing some brainstorming and really come to this idea that so many people, when they think about naturopathic medicine or they think about holistic health or integrative care or their wellness journey, it's this idea of being perfect or this idea of it looking a certain way. And it's not it's not, it's messy and it's transformative, it's curious and it's also chaotic. And so that's what we want to share with you, um, both with our own personal experiences and practice style and what we've just seen over our collective almost 25 years of practice. So this series is really going to be about taking it real you know, making it really relatable and hopefully you can feel heard, affirmed and connect to different aspects of health. So this this episode in particular is going to be about sleep and uh, really the realities of sleep. So yes, we all know all about sleep hygiene and how to have all the pieces in play to have a good night's sleep but yet then life happens. So without further uh, spoilers, let's jump right into this interview with Dr. Rochelle and I. Dr. Rochelle, so good to connect. Hi, Dr. Christy. It's been a while since we've done one of these things, so I was excited. I know. We record in batches, so it always feels like a bit of space in between. So it's so amazing. I was really looking forward to reconnecting today on the podcast. Absolutely. So it's our favorite topic, sleep, sleep, Um, (laughs) which can affect everything, everything it's related. So um, yeah, there's lots of information to go through. And we decided that we were going to like circle back, hey, from that original conversation that we had a couple of months ago about sleep, because some of the feedback that we, we got from the audience was all fine and dandy, but what about real life? And you and I, I think we high five, uh, you know, ourselves and each other on the fact that we are all about relatability. And so today we wanted to kind of break down sleep in, uh, you know, real life situations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a, a few, a few areas that are, are I think, very <laughs> relatable to many of our audience. Um 
So um, let's start with PMS and menopause. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think one of the big things, uh, you, know, it's, you know, we talk sleep hygiene and we talk about the importance of sleep and then the physiology is along for the ride. So, you know, despite all the great lifestyle habits, we can still end up having struggles uh, given different aspects, whether it's situational or in this case, very physiological. So maybe, you know, just as a, as a quick one-on-one, you could break down what is happening in the body around that time, whether it is PMS or perimenopause, uh, that can really influence our sleep so that we can, you know, the audience can understand why they're struggling with sleep um, during this window of time. Yeah, one of the biggest things is progesterone. Mm-hmm. It's a, a very, very relaxing hormone. So especially, I, I know I get this, and you might too, Dr. Christie, um, just right before your period, when you get that big estrogen and progesterone drop, I typically have insomnia on that day one of my period, like all the time, without fail. Mm-hmm always happens. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, again, understanding that it's a hormonal shift and a hormonal drive. I mean, certainly we can work behind the scenes to support a person body, person's body from a naturopathic point of view to minimize that drop. But there's also reality that, you know, it might be a little bit of leaning into an acceptance of that, uh, of that window of time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's a very, very short window. So Mm -hmm. um, I always know I'll have a bad sleep that day. It's normal and get on with it. I may be Mm -hmm. a little cranky the next day, but um, it's not a pathology. It's just um, a transient hormonal expression. And I'm I'm cool with it. But I think one of uh, the more the more disruptive um, conditions would be menopause, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's like, every day. Mm-hmm. So there's lots. And w- the thing with um at the beginning of menopause, and um, perimenopause is both estrogen and progesterone drop, but mm-hmm. often progesterone is quite a bit more less of a drop. So women can experience estrogen dominant symptoms, even though they have um, low estrogen and progesterone, they just have lower progesterone in relation. Mm-hmm. It's all of that relative to, right? Estrogen relative to progesterone. Exactly. And those two, those two hormones, when the ratios between them become too big, can be really impacting what's going on in how you're experiencing perimenopause and menopause. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm all about the therapeutic order. And I know you too, mm-hmm. you're, you're like that too, Dr. Christie. So I mean, herbs and down regulating estrogen with crushed flaxseed, and there's black cohosh, there's like, really simple herbs that can help a lot. Um, and then and then if the more bigger guns need to happen, then there's there's bioidentical hormones, but I'm, I'm all about starting very simple. And um, another thing that I think uh, we don't think about is the is uh, how high high stress can take away from that progesterone. So mm-hmm. cortisol has the same cholesterol backbone as progesterone. So if we're at that high stress level the whole time, where the little progesterone we have is being poached from to make that extra cortisol. So uh, stress management is huge with menopause. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm living it. Like perimenopausal years are a real thing. And I really, I mean, I would say from my perspective, those vasomotor, um, you know, vasomotor symptoms are huge and the night sweats, right? So the mm-hmm. night sweats, uh, sometimes even the heart palpitations, anxiety, you know, they're going to influence sleep. And so again, you know, we have identified what is going on in the system. And now we want to think about how, how to support the body through that. And like you're talking about is really managing root cause. So yes, we can look at 
supporting sleep through potential herbal supplementation or um, sleep hygiene. But, you know, sometimes we do have to go a little bit behind the scenes and work with the root cause, which in this case is, as you mentioned, these irregular or the body's not kind of trying to adapt to changes in uh, the estrogen and progesterone. For sure. And I, I also want to preface that um, perimenopause and menopause is not a pathological state. It's very healthy and very normal. It just becomes an issue when it's disrupting um, things like our sleep and our functioning through the day. So I, I usually um, have a hands-off approach unless we need to intervene. And there's so, so much we can do, which is exciting. It's it's not a forever thing, this state. Mm-hmm. So Um, My goodness, you are singing my song, right? It's biological (laughs) aging. It's not a disease, right? It is biological. Same with the PMS. Um, And I think it really is about empowering yourself. So one of the Mm -hmm. things I will often say to women through PMS, you know, if you're struggling with insomnia, um, you know, certainly other symptoms, but, you know, insomnia or uh, night sweats or restlessness, PMS, perimenopause, is to understand your cycle right? So that when it's three in the morning, and you wake up with night sweats, or you know, you're having a difficult time falling asleep or early morning waking, you can understand and it doesn't, we don't create more anxiety, that sort of insomnia that comes from anticipating not sleeping through the night, you can simply lean in and accept that, oh, this is the season I am either in my in my month or in my in my cycle, or maybe even in my biological aging. So we can accept what's going on, because so much of that stress happens when we are, you know, middle of the night, rest, tossing and turning, questioning why we're not able to get through the night with a good sleep. Absolutely. And you don't have to have a period to go through those um, cyclic changes. So even menopausal women, they, they still have mm-hmm. a cyclic change. It's just not enough to trigger a period. And obviously that cycle gets less and less and less and then it flatlines. But at the beginning, you're still getting um, spikes and falls in the progesterone and estrogen. And that's very normal. And it can be correlated with some of the symptoms. Yeah, exactly. So important, right? So important to understand what's happening with our, our physiology uh, at different at different phases, and then also how we can support ourselves, both, as you mentioned, with potential symptoms, but also then with managing, you know, what's actually going on and supporting where needed. So yeah. let's lean in. You already touched on it, but I feel like it needs its whole category on its own, especially given that we are living with what we're living through. So mm-hmm. stress and anxiety, right? Like that absolutely is going to influence. You don't tell a stressed person or an anxious person to relax, right? It, it's a physiological state of the body. It's a posture in the body, which can mean that we can't sleep through the night. We can't move into that parasympathetic, um, you know, relaxation that is required for rest and, and restorative sleeping. Yeah. And the thing is, it's, it's, I find what works with one person will completely not work with another. So it's mm-hmm. really, it's a hundred percent trial and error. Um, so I like we've, we've gone through many techniques in the past, but it, it's really getting a full intake of that person and mm-hmm. their triggers and how to manage it. It's, it's, so individual of course there's things that can help like sleep hygiene and cognitive behavior therapy um i find epsom salt baths really helpful they're just so people don't dose enough they don't know they need like two to four cups of epsom salts it's like you want it to be the dead sea in there really absolutely Um, you should be floating (laughs) yes 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 um and i and i think you know recognizing that we often think about our 
sleep as being what's happening, you know, influencing only what's going on at night. And actually, you know, we work in the body likes rhythms and we have rhythms. And so our cortisol, which, you know, most of you would know if you've been connecting with this podcast is our stress hormone. If it's disrupted through the day, then it's going to be disrupted at night. So we also want to be reflective of what's going on in our stress responses through the day and how we can support ourselves through the day, because it's not like we just, you know, snap our fingers and, you know, move into relaxation if we've been heightened all day long. So it is about, you know, managing our sugar and our our caffeine intake through the day and really allowing ourselves to move with natural rhythms through the day so that when we move into that uh, yin time at night, our body is actually able to transition. It is is an absolute transition. For sure. And one thing with these podcasts I like to do is go above and beyond like the classic sleep hygiene or things that people have heard before. And it's helpful to hear again. But I I actually learned something new. um, And I want to share it. So it has to do with resistant starches. And a resistant starch is basically um, a starch that your body does not digest through the small intestine. And it passes through to the um, to your big, your your large intestine and the bacteria feed off of it. So apparently taking a tablespoon of potato starch, which is very high in resistant starch, you do not digest it. It feeds the bacteria by phytobacterium and it can mm. actually produce um, tryptophan and it can it can actually cause a sedating effect. So um, starting with like a tablespoon of resistant starch, like potato starch in some, it has to be cold water, mm. um, can help feed this bacteria. And I am so excited to try this. So I've just been reading a, a few of my clinician friends have been doing it with their clients and they said it's working. So oh my God. so you would dose that before bed. Like, so tryptophan, for those of you who, who don't know, tryptophan is the precursor to serotonin, which is the precursor to melatonin. Exactly. So it is that, I got that right, right? Yes, uh, exactly <laughs> that. Is, is that, so it is, it is, you know, the, it is a raw material to produce melatonin. We all know about the turkey, the, you know, post Thanksgiving fatigue, right? Yeah. So it is, so you would take, a tablespoon of that before bed like yeah in water it it can cause a little bit of um bloating as your body adjusts so start small you might want to start with um a couple teaspoons and work up to a tablespoon and eventually possibly two tablespoons uh but your body doesn't try it's not extra um carbohydrates your body just it passes right through but it does feed that special uh bacteria so i wanted to share that my goodness I can't wait my first victim to try this with. Well, the first victim should be me, really. Yeah. I should try it myself first. But <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, I'm totally gonna try that. And and again, you know, especially when in those windows of time where sleep is more challenging and you know, you need that extra hit of melatonin. So cortisol is going to absolutely disrupt melatonin. So if we have high cortisol levels or that early morning waking, the cortisol surges and it trumps the melatonin. And then we find ourselves, you know, in wide awake. So having that tryptophan, uh, you know, that's going to over the course of the nighttime convert into melatonin, then potentially what's happening is you're increasing, you're getting that melatonin conversion at a time when the cortisol might be trying to, 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 to be, to rise. It's, it's, I love this. 
Oh my goodness. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and like, it's all about melatonin and really trying to maximize it when we need it in the evening. Um, so I think we've all, we, we've spoken about this. I feel like I'm being redundant, but that first morning daylight is so important for your circadian rhythm. We're, we're not, we're not really adapted to industrialization and light bulbs and (laughs) all this Mm. artificial light. We're very, Mm. like you said, the body likes rhythms. And when you think of it, our ancestors would be out in the daylight first thing in the morning and Mm. our biology has not changed. It's the same. So so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here because I'm curious. Um, I'm, I'm like on the fence if I'm going to put this on my Christmas list. So, uh, you know, those lights that, yes. you, what do you think about those? You know um, what I mean? But so uh, the lights, the audience is like, so basically it gradual light in your room um, through the morning. Oh, wait. So are you talking about like the, the happy light for the 10,000 lux? Um... Not the vitamin D light, that light that you would like, it's a, it's a light that you basically, you know, you, it's a alarm clock. Have you seen these? They're oh, alarm no. clocks. So basically what ends up happening is you're through the morning, you're getting extra light coming into your pineal gland, which, you know, is going to increase, decrease the melatonin gently and increase, um, you know, what I would assume to be your cortisol. So you're getting that sort of gradual awakening uh because again if we're waking up at 6 37 a.m which i know i am with my daughter it's pitch black dark so uh, I, I feel like it's a really great strategy as you mentioned working with the rhythms of daylight where we're blacking out at night if if it's light uh if there's light coming into the room but then we're bringing in light in the morning to actually create that offset i love it so it totally um like it's it's a little bit hard for some people if they start mm-hmm. work first thing in the morning and especially mm-hmm. if they're in a home office like mm-hmm. I know many people in Ottawa are mm-hmm. um so to actually uh, get outside for like a, an hour walk that would be the ideal mm-hmm. but um I love this idea yeah I'm gonna put mm-hmm. it on my Christmas list too. <laughs> okay so manipulating light has such an effect so um a hundred percent that's that's pretty cool Dr. Christie yeah so now the last one which is huge for so many children and pets right Mm. so so I mean again obviously there's a season of our life um with new babies um you mean new puppies new kittens um you know so there is those seasons of life where we definitely need more support right I will often say to my new mamas that you know you're not supposed to feel great right now we're managing we're managing deficiency (laughs) this is really about a time where your physiology is recovering and that your you know your body's under more stress you know but long term like long term, you know, it's, it's, it can happen for years. I know it certainly is continues in my house to have these disruptions. So um, yeah, have you experienced that with patients? And what kinds of I am the worst example, my kid has never spent one night in her own bedroom. So I have co slept with her from the day morning she was born. This is a disclaimer, I don't recommend that with others and follow your pediatric advice. I understand there's a risk there. But that, this is my <laughs> personal decision. <laughs> Um, so from day one, all the way, she's almost four and a half. So I am such a horrible example. And I I know other people like have 
um, more than one children and it's just not fathom <laughs> they can't do it like yes. you, you, so I, I don't know if I'm the best person because my circumstance personally are very are very different than probably the the average um, parent out there mm-hmm. I mean I think it's such a personal personal choice so I can actually speak from both sides because when my daughter was born you know we did the a little like a, at first and then I was like okay we need to hire a sleep consultant sleep is key this is the right thing to do and like we were we were hardcore with it she got you know she did it she was was like you know a big transition but we got her in her crib she was good and then fast forward a couple years when I realized how quickly this happens and same as you know similar to you I have an only child she's I'm like now whenever she comes in the middle of the night I'm like come on sweetie jump in yeah, we, yeah. like those like, cuddles like they so don't last fun. forever And like, you know, I mean, fundamentally, yes, there is that disruption that can happen. Well, at the same time, it really is, as you mentioned, such a personal, personal choice. Um, I do think, you know, from that perspective, though, and recognizing what is best for you is key. Um, But knowing that you may have that time and, you know, where your sleep is, your sleep quality is less than. Um, I feel like in this case, it really is the disrupted, right? So if you make a conscious choice to um, sleep, you know, with your child and you learn how to, you know, co-sleep and have the rhythms and some, you know, I can think your sleep quality can be excellent. It's more that middle of the night, you know, the huge cortisol surge that can happen when, you know, child cries out or our child has a, has an, has a night terror or baby, you know, puppy needs to get outside for, to go to the bathroom. And I think it really is recognizing what is happening in your physiology is potentially you were in a deep sleep with a melatonin, um, you know, in a beautiful, great range for you to have a good quality sleep, but you've woken up with adrenaline. And so you're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to necessarily, you know, snap your fingers and fall back to sleep because the body has been jolted. And I, you know, in my, in those examples, I think it's really important to try to, uh, you know, lean into how do we bring the cortisol levels down? And that's where I think, you know, like the breath work is really good or your hundreds. Can you repeat the hundreds? Because I know not everyone got that one. Yes, I love it. So you visualize the number 100 in your head, you have to see a picture of it. And then you visualize one, two, three, then you visualize 99. One, two, three. And every time your mind deviates and thinks of something, you go back to the numbers. And often mm-hmm. people are out, are out by 80. Like it, it's mm-hmm. really effective. Like it, it really does work. I didn't, I didn't know about this before that podcast. And I, it's like saved my butt so many nights, you know, again, whether I'm waking up from a night sweat or waking up because my daughter needs me or waking up because I've had, you know, some stress or anxiety that I'm processing. It's such a beautiful way to calm the mind by giving the mind that anchor, something to focus on outside of the busyness. And it's um, easy. It's so mm-hmm. easy. You don't have to like do some elaborate meditation yeah. <laughs> or performance. Yeah. It's like very simple. Um, even the body scan of tightening your toes, holding mm-hmm. and like going, even, like this is even easier than that. <laughs> I find it too. Yeah. And it's, e- it's easier to stay on because, yeah. you know, when I'm doing my body scan, I'm doing, I'm like, Oh, darn it. I'm like thinking about what I'm going to, you know, have for breakfast. I got to move back down to my toes. Whereas this is like, there's something about it's a, it's a, just this great blend of focus, cognitive focus, but the, it brings in that relaxation. So yeah. I love that one. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like there's just so many supports there and, you know, the intent of today, you know, Dr. Rochelle and I were talking about where we wanted to take these podcasts in this next series and that relatability, right? Like that relatability in real life. So 
So they're going to be, you know, you're going to have bad sleeps. You're going to have seasons of bad sleeps. And it really is about hoping, hoping that you, the audience, can walk away feeling, first of all, educated and aware of what's going on in your body. And then secondly, empowered and leaning into an acceptance and that empowerment about how to support yourself through this. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And we're going to yeah. keep this going. So we're going to talk real yeah. life, real, real life situations around food, around stress. Um, you know, I love it. Dr. Rochelle and I, we love to share our own stories and, you know, get really authentic and honest. So we're going to we're going to keep this conversation going. Uh, and uh, yeah, we hope you guys will continue to tune in. Awesome. I love talking to you, Dr. Christie. I yes. look forward to the next one. Sounds great. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye bye.